It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo, and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you, with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations, so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome back to the Transfer Tracker Podcast. I got a fun one, I think, today. Uh, history lesson. And we're going to go over the top 15 transfers of all time, at least as how I see them. Went over a couple of lists that I found on the internet, and just doing my own research, I was able to find two more guys that were, were not on, on either one of these lists. And frankly, I think uh, a couple of the lists were you know, not even that great. But we'll go through them. I have them ranked. Uh, I can tell I'm getting a little old because I've actually, I remember all but one of the players on this list. And uh, just doing my research on him, I I think you had to add him uh, top two or three. So we'll get to him in just a minute. His name is Kyle Macy, by the way. Played at Kentucky. Before we get into the list, I just wanted to say I saw, you know, a couple guys like Luke Hancock on ranked on these lists and yeah he had he had a, a great final four but his entire season I, you just can't make my list man whenever there's you know countless all-americans and guys that average 15 20 points a game on on teams as transfers that went to the tournament went deep in the tournament in many cases I, you just can't put a guy that wasn't even a starter he, that Luke Hancock he started nine games of 40 on their, the year they won the title. And he was only playing about 22 minutes a game, averaged eight points a game. And I've seen him ranked as one of the best transfers, basically because he had a great Final Four, yes. But, I mean, that's not an All-American. You, he, he's more or less a role player on that team outside of the Final Four. I think he scored five and seven points in a couple other NCAA tournament games. So... No, you, you've got to be like a, a legit big-time player, All-American, multiple-time, you know, Big 12, Pac-12, uh, first-team type guys. He's, the, the list I compiled, they, were, they all had honors like that, and they, they led teams to NCAAs and, and, you know, tournaments too. So it wasn't like hollow stats either. You know, they had deep runs, most of them as well. But we'll get to the list now. Number one on my list is Hank Gathers, and he was pretty much consensus number one on other lists I saw as well, and I think it's well-deserved. Most of you guys will know the story of Hank Gathers if you follow college basketball history at any point. Um, He passed away on the court from a heart ailment in the conference tournament of his senior year, and he had started his career at uh, Southern Cal along with his high school buddy Bo Kimball they both went to to Southern Cal and they had a coaching change and this dummy set a deadline for them and they did they hadn't decided at that point and basically told them that they wouldn't be renewed the next year well these were two all-american players in in retrospect they go to Lola Marymount to play for Paul Westhead who was a NBA champion uh, coach got fired, replaced by Pat Riley, but he took his running gun system. So the stats 
you know, they're incredible, but they're obviously inflated by how, how many possessions they played. But nonetheless, when you average 33 points a game, uh, 14 rebounds in one season, uh, you, you know, that you, you're still – you're still still out there putting it in the in the bucket, and to be able to play at that pace, that many minutes, and put up that kind of production, it's legit. And he he was a second team All American his senior year. That year he averaged twenty nine and eleven, and even the first year he was there. Let's go through what he did at USC first. USC averaged eight points, five rebounds, and twenty three minutes a game. And let's see what their team was like that year. 11 and 17, it got their coach fired. Like I said, the other coach ran him off. He transfers to old Lola Marymount, sets out a year. And their first year, they finished 15th in the, uh, in the nation, the final poll. So this was a good team, a really good team. Won a game in the tourney, tournament as well. Um, Bo Kimball, also on that team, he's going to be on our list here shortly. But he had, a, he had actually averaged 12 points a game at USC. So these were two legit big-time conference players, freshmen, you know, come right into college, you know, playing big roles at a time when, you know, seniors dominated in, in those days. It's, you know, you stay for three three years generally. And so if you're, if you're a pro like Jordan or, you know, Magic, I think left it too. But, um, but yeah, he – he just he he was he was a really good player, and it's unfortunate that of course he died, and who knows how could, how good he could have been, you know, in the uh, in the NBA. He would have had a chance, uh, maybe a little undersized. Just an unfortunate situation. Um, before I go any further, I, f- I forgot to mention that uh, Larry Bur- Larry Bird, he's he he did transfer technically, but. I didn't include him on this list because he didn't play at Indiana. He was only at Indiana for a few weeks, and then he he left school. So I I just don't think he you can really put him put him here because he didn't play. Number two on my list, Kyle Macy, and this guy he was he was the only one that was before my time that I had really no no knowledge of, but I think you definitely deserves to be on this list and. He was uh, NCAA champion, All-American. Um, he started his career at Purdue, where he was a good player, 14 points a game, and then transferred to Kentucky. This is 1978, and averaged 13 points. And the first year they won a national title. Comes back, and what what's most incredible about him is that he shot over 50% his last three years, and. He, this was before three-point shooting, and he was a, a small guard, a smaller six-foot-three guard. You know, putting up that kind of efficiency, ninety percent from the from the free throw line one year, uh, two years actually, well close to it. Uh, so he was a shooter and averaged uh, six assists, thirteen points, six assists that first season, and then he would eventually go on to be um, All-American consensus uh let's see what yeah first team consensus all-american i don't think there's much else to say you're a first team consensus all-american and you averaged uh that was not the year they won the championship but the other year he averaged 13 points and six assists 
and help them win the national championship, I think you've got to be right, right here near the top of this list. Number three on my list, Bo Kimball, who was mentioned earlier when we were talking about Hank Gathers. And you've got to talk about these two guys together. I mean, just what they were able to do and specifically what he was able to do after Hank Gathers passed and just an incredible stats. And as we said, you know, the stats were inflated with all the possessions that Lola Marymount played. But 35 points per game his senior year, seven rebounds, three, three steals, uh, consensus All-American. And he was just, he was incredible that year. Shot 46% from three, 53% from the floor, 86% from the line. And after Bo, or after Hank Gathers passed, they were awarded the automatic bid. They they called the tournament off and said, "No, we're not going to have any more. Anymore. We're just going to give it to to Loyola Marymount for, all based off of their season and just the circumstances." So Loyola Marymount gets in. I think they're a 12 seed that that year. Not much was expected. Losing Hank Gathers, it's like that's probably the mindset that they're in you know and plus a talent like that not much was expected well Bo Kimball takes them to the elite elite eight that year and it was just incredible and I think it's a great story uh, an unfortunate story but uh, for for him a it, it's a, a story that if you follow college basketball you know and incredible run they finished the season made the elite eight and it was because of him and his inspirational run for his friend. Number four on my list, Billy McCaffrey. And he has an interesting story. He was at Duke and he was a starter on their, and averaged 12 points a game on their NCAA team. And even had 16 points in the national championship game. Won a championship. And he said, I'm out of here, man. And they asked him, they said, you know, why did why did you transfer? And he just basically admitted he wanted to be out of, you know, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, and Bobby Hurley's shadow. And he certainly showed that he was a big-time player himself. Uh, consensus All-American, went to the SEC to Vanderbilt, where he averaged 20 points, uh, two, the final two seasons of his career. And he was able to help them get to a Sweet 16, and win a NIT championship. So, very successful in his own right. Number five, Kyle Wilcher. And he actually won a national championship. He was not a big-time player on Kentucky, but he was a contributor. Wins a national championship with them. Transfers to Gonzaga a couple years later and makes a deep run. They get to the Elite Eight. And he is a big-time player that year, 17 points per game, six rebounds. And they get knocked out by the eventual national champion, Duke. But he is a consensus first-team All-American. And his senior year averaged 20 points and six rebounds. And that team also, Sweet 16 team. Next up, the first of two Baylor players who have one of the more unfortunate also situations in college basketball John Lucas and he started his career at Baylor and this is whenever one of their teammates murdered another teammate and the dumb coach 
said, you know, to make it look like he had drugs or something. It was just a horrible situation. And the program basically got the death penalty and everyone could leave and, and play immediately at other places. Well, there were basically two All-American type talents on that team. Um, and the first, John Lucas, he didn't actually get uh, All-American, but he, he was that level of player. Uh, he's two-time Big, uh, Big 12 first team all-conference at Oklahoma State is where he transferred, and he helped lead them to the Final Four, hit a, a game winner over St. John's to, to get them to the Final Four. And that year he had averaged 17 or 18 points a game, and he was just really big-time player. He was also very good at Baylor as well, had averaged 13 points a game there, and then his senior year at Oklahoma State, 18 points, four assists. So one heck of a transfer. Uh, very interesting, unfortunate story as well for how he came to be a transfer. Next up on our list, Nigel Williams-Goss. And he took the exact same path as a pioneer uh, at Gonzaga, Dan Dickow, from Washington to Gonzaga. He, Dan Dickow will be in our rankings later. But unlike Dan Dickow, he was not a, a four-point-per-game role player. He was all uh, Pac-12, uh, second team, averaged about 15 or 16 points a game at Washington and went to Gonzaga, led them to the national championship game against North Carolina where they lost, but he was a consensus second team All-American uh, for, for a great team and averaged about 16, 17 points per game there as well and really Help help Gonzaga get to their first Final Four in the championship game and nearly won it. I think they lost by five or six points to North Carolina that year, but certainly someone I think you've got to talk about on any transfer list of the all-time greatest. Number eight, Clifford Rozier. And he was someone that came in, he started at North Carolina, and he really didn't get to play much at all. He came into a class that was kind of like a super impressive class just before the Fab Five. It's like, wow, these guys got this solid class. That was the uh, Eric Montross class, and th- those guys would eventually go on to win a national title um, without him. He, he transferred after his, fr- his freshman year at North Carolina. He really didn't play. About, averaged about five points per game. Only played nine minutes a game, so very productive, though, when he did get a play. But he transferred to Louisville. And he took Louisville to two Sweet 16s and was a consensus first-team All-American, averaged 18 points, 11 rebounds as a senior, um, 2.2 blocks. Uh, rest in peace, he, he ended up passing away, I think, in his 40s, unfortunately. But he was a, a very good player, very good transfer, and wow, that North Carolina team, if he had stuck around, they could have maybe won a couple of uh, titles, you would think. Number nine, Lawrence Roberts, and he is the second Baylor transfer we talked about. Um, the murder of Patrick Kennedy allowed everyone to transfer off that team. Uh, Patrick Dennehy, excuse me. And he actually was a transfer to uh, Patrick Dennehy uh, from New Mexico, just doing the research. But Lawrence Roberts was a, already a well-established player uh, for Baylor. He had averaged 16 points as a freshman and then 15 points, 10 rebounds as a as a sophomore. He was able to transfer to Mississippi State, 
was an All-American there, averaged 17 points, 10 rebounds. They had a number two seed, and I think got to the Sweet 16 that year. Nope, they were actually upset in the second round. But still, number two seed, you've had a good season um, regardless. Okay, number 10, Chris Mills. And this guy appeared on no other list, uh, which is kind of shocking, considering that he went to Arizona and he was the leading scorer on three top 10 teams that finished top 10 in the nation. Now, uh, maybe some of that is because they had very, very bad performances in the NCAAs. They were upset by uh, East Tennessee State as a two seed and or three seed and also uh, Santa uh, Clara. Steve Nash was on that team, though, so it's hard to call it too much of an upset. But I think they were a two seed uh, that year. So let's just go through it. He started his career at Kentucky, where he averaged 14 points a game, was all SEC. And this was Eddie Sutton years. I think there was to got put on probation right after that, and that's probably why he left, because he knew he wouldn't be able to play in the NCAAs. I believe they had a probation year. Um, so anyway, he, he goes to Arizona, <clears throat> averages 15 points per game his first year, six rebounds, 16 points a game, eight rebounds his second year, and then his senior year, 20 points, eight rebounds. And these were all really good teams. Uh, number two seed, they lost to Santa Clara, but that was the Steve Nash team, upset them by three points. The team still finished fifth in the final AP poll. Um, the year before that, they had lost to the 14 seed. Uh, East Tennessee State still finished in the top 10, and then they finished eighth the year before that, and he did help them get to a uh, Sweet 16 that year. Where the, I guess they lost to Seton Hall. That, I believe they were the champs, or but in the final final four. Yeah, no, this is the year after. They were the lead eight that year. Nonetheless, a good team, and – yeah, but this guy, he he doesn't appear on any any list I could find. And it's like, how do you not have this guy? He was Pac-10, Pac-12 player of the year that season. 20 points, 8 rebounds. I had a long NBA career, I believe. So, yeah, he was a good player, good transfer, uh, a meaningful transfer, going from Kentucky to Arizona, basically two blue bloods. Maybe that's just a miss. I, I saw – one ranking had uh, T.J. McConnell on. And there's no way T.J. McConnell had a better career than uh, Chris Mills at, at the same school. Nonetheless. He's not even the best Arizona you know, transfer. But nonetheless, Chris Mills certainly deserves to be on any list. And you could probably even add Lauren Woods uh, before T.J. McConnell, I would say. He helped get them to the uh, final final game one year. Averaging about 13 points. Number 11. This one's not as fun a situation to talk about. Uh, Courtney Alexander. And he played at Virginia. He averaged 15 points per game. He, he came in hot, averaging 14 points a game as a freshman, 15 points a game as a sophomore. And then he apparently had a salt charge on the mother of his child. And there was some discrepancy with Virginia bringing him back, but he ended up just transferring. He went to Fresno State to play with Jerry Tarkanian because I guess he doesn't really care anyway. Uh, but he was All-American there. He averaged 25 points per game as a senior and helped them get to the NCAA tournament where they were a nine seed, lost in the first round. But 
All-American, 25 points per game. you got to have him on the list. Next up, Dan Dickow. And he really was the one that started it all, kind of, for um, Mark Few. Dan Dickow started at Washington. He had got on the court, was playing 23 minutes a game, wasn't very productive, 4 points, uh, 2.6 assist. But he transfers to Gonzaga and becomes an All-American there. His senior year averaged 21 points, uh, 5 assists. Junior year, 19.6 assists. And he helped Gonzaga get to a Sweet 16 and also a, a number 6 seed. That was pretty much the first... You know, Gonzaga, when they first started winning, there was a year before Gonzaga, or before Dan Dickow got there, that they had gotten to the Sweet 16 without him. And But they were, you know, a 10 seed. And then they were a 12 seed the year after with, with Dan Dickow. And they get to the Sweet 16 again. And then they get a number six seed, and they lose in the first round. But that kind of started it off for Mark Few. And as you already know, there's two other transfers on this list. Well, there was about three more that were in consideration. So he is one of the pioneers of recruiting, you know, transfers. And it it all started with Dan Dickow. Uh, For him, it's first All-American. And, you know, he he had a, a great career. And he was very talented, but he wasn't one that, you know, just jumped off the page at, at Washington. He was not that productive and more or less kind of a role player. But goes to Gonzaga and takes it takes his game to a different level under Mark Few, and I'm sure that helped recruit guys that followed him like uh, Williams Goss. And, you know, it's, he Mark Few is definitely one of the coaches. In the future, I'll have a, a – We'll talk about coaches that really attack the portal, and he's one that, you know, it's got to be on the list after with, with his history. A few more left. Wes Johnson, who transferred from Iowa State, where he played under Greg McDermott, and he goes to Syracuse. He went from a 12-point-per-game player at uh, Iowa State to a 16.5-point, 8.5 rebound uh almost two blocks and two steals a game first uh first team all-american syracuse was number one seed that that year they got beat by butler in the sweet 16 i I believe believe it was yes that was the year that uh butler went on to play duke in the championship game but he was very productive did you know what you would expect to get on this list all-american really had the stats Got drafted high in the in the pros. It didn't do much there, but certainly one of the best transfers ever. We're going back old school. This is one of the first guys Coach K ever uh, got as a transfer, and this is back in the 90s. Rashawn McLeod, and he was he played his senior year. He was all ACC, averaged 15 points a game. Played on num- number one seed team uh, that went to the Elite Eight. He had transferred from St. John's, and he really helped get Duke back on the map. Uh, they very talented that year. That was the Elton Brand, uh, William Avery, Chris Carwell year, but Rashawn McCloyd was the uh, leading scorer and pretty much, you know, the senior leader of that team. Now, I've not seen him on any list either, but, you know, you go to Duke and you, you're, you know, on a number one seed and and help them get to the elite eight that's you know that's not not normal but 
it was one of the only transfers I can remember Coach K taking until Patrick Tape a couple years ago. And but yeah, he was he was too good to pass up, I guess. And he really didn't even have that that high of standout uh, stats coming from St. John's. He'd only started six games in two years and averaged about eight points one year and seven points the other year. But takes his talents to Durham and all ACC first team and leading scorer on uh, number one seed team. So definitely think he deserves some acknowledgement. The last player on our list was just from this most recent tournament, uh, Davion Mitchell. And you really could have made a case almost for Teague or, I mean, that that whole team was just built off the transfers. Uh, Scott Drew, he had trans, and not even transfers you would maybe have expected. I mean, Teague was from UNC Asheville. Flager was from Presbyterian, had a guy from uh, UNLV, and Davion Mitchell was from Auburn. And he only averaged 3.7 points per game at Auburn. So he was not someone that you just expected to come in and blow up, but averaged 14 points a game, five assists, led him to a national title. And like I said, you could you could almost include Teague as well. He was uh, all all Big 12 third team. Uh, I put Mitchell here because he was second team and, and really did it in the tournament or in the finals. So, yeah, it it just shows that, you know, that I think that was probably the first team that was really, you know, Texas Tech a couple years before getting to the finals, but, but Baylor brought it home. They won the championship. They had very significant transfers, and that was before the portal even really opened up like it is now. So that completes our list, guys, but I'm just going to run through a few, few of the other guys quickly just as the honorable mentions right outside. Another one from last year, Quentin Grimes, came from Kansas where he was a very inefficient eight-point-per-game guy, goes to Houston, leads them to the Final Four, third-team All-American. Uh, Johnny Jazang from UCLA, he took a 11-seed, first-four-team all the way to the Final Four with some incredible games there at the end, but he didn't have the overall resume, I thought, to, to boost him up above some of these other guys. Uh, Seth Curry, two-time All-ACC from Liberty, where he averaged 20 points a game, goes to Duke. Cam Johnson from Pittsburgh to North Carolina. Lauren Woods, I mentioned him earlier. Then some of the others that were mentioned, T.J. McConnell. I can kind of see it, but not 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 ahead of Chris Mills, I can't. Uh, Brandon Clark, another Gonzaga guy. I think Oscar Sheway will, will definitely be on this list in the future a little too soon. And the first round knockout's tough, but he, he had the stats, man. Um, other good ones, Diedrich Lawson, DeAndre Kane, Eric Pascal. So I think I think we got the right fifteen guys though, as the uh, as as the top transfers of all time and some quite impressive ones. Transfers have obviously been good and from for a while here, but really seemed to uh, pick up around the uh, early '90s, and with the get with Campbell and Gathers, and and it's just been like a rocket uh, since then in in later years. But I thought it was an interesting list just to know the history and see where some of these guys came and multiple All Americans, you know, impact guys that took their teams on deep runs. So yeah, transfers been been around for a while, and we got some great examples of big time good ones, and it's only gonna I think 
ratchet up more in the uh, next few years with the transfer for free rule. Uh, you'll see so many more transfers and so many more opportunities to, to have more All-Americans. Oh, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. At Vanguard, this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and Vanguard is here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.